Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast. Back after a brief hiatus, back with our pre-match social and I'm back with the VBB football crew. We've got AJ, Sam and Carl joining us this week. We're going to be talking about England, obviously, Aston Villa, Ollie Watkins, Jack Grealish, uh, but more importantly, the Fulham game coming up on Sunday. Getting back into sort of the business end of the season now uh, and the boys are going to give their thoughts on the game. AJ obviously will give his stats breakdown, so we'll look forward to that. But before we start, let's uh, let's just uh, go straight into the uh, international break, obviously coming to the end now, uh, and talk a bit about that. Carl, let's start with you, mate, uh, on the international break. What are your thoughts on um, Ollie Watkins's brief cameo for England last week and, and his goal? Well, I think I think it was perfect for us how it how it kind of happened in that he got what 15 minutes scored a goal and then rested for the, for the next week um he looked genuinely chuffed to bits uh with his goal his his interview after was was really nice um i mean if i'm honest he, he's going to struggle to get into the england squad for the euros but you never know um an injury here or there um and he, you know, he, he might have a sniff, um, but it was really good. And he's an excellent player. He, he's, he's international quality. Um, he just needs to, um, he just needs to sort of like one chance um, he had. I mean, I don't think, he, I don't think he touched the ball for the first 12 minutes. He was on the pitch. Didn't, didn't touch the ball. And um, he put a great ball in, um, which is good, um, which he, you know, getting into the, the channel, which he does a lot for us, but his goal was what I am hoping to see him do a bit more um, than he has done of late with with Villa, which is just get the ball in the box, turn and score. Um, but I was really chuffed for him, and I was glad he's he seems to be coming away from it um, injury free. Yeah, Sam, if that was for Villa, he'd probably hit the post, wouldn't he? Well, you took the words out of my mouth, Omar. I was thinking Carl was going to say, "Get the ball, turn, hit the woodwork." <laughs> You know, but uh, to be fair to Ollie, you know, he's, he's a smashing player. He, he works his socks off. He, he, you know, he links the play well. He holds it up. He, he's got he's got a bit of everything. I'm not sure if anything that he does is, as things stand, quite international standard. But the whole package is is quite compelling. And I think the problem, not the problem, but I think, you know, with Ollie, I think we'll all be disappointed if Ollie is starting at centre forward in the Euros because it will mean Harry Kane's injured. And obviously Harry Kane's a, you know, unbelievable centre forward and I think we'd all like to have him in the side um, but for Ollie to go along be part of the squad part of the group learn a lot come back you know with his uh, chest puffed out that, I think that would be a great outcome for Villa for sure yeah I, I don't know if about you AJ but for me uh, it's a bit weird with England I don't have the same level of exuberance as I do when Jack's in the squad or, or potentially playing as I do and I know it's hard to say with Ollie and Tyro and Mings both in the squad but it just doesn't feel the same. I don't know if you're the same yeah. when it comes to England. Or... Well, I was going to mention as well, um, as well as Ollie's interview being nice as well, Tyrone Mings' reaction when Ollie scored was really good as well. And I think that just shows the strength of the sort of spirit and uh, camaraderie that there is in the, the squad. I think this group of players do really like genuinely get on and love playing together. And, you know, he was like a proud dad, wasn't he, Ty- Tyrone Mings? was good and, you know, he's only got... a five or six England caps himself or whatever is uh, uh, probably, um, uh, yeah, a bit... Uh, but anyway, it was, it was great to see. Um, yeah, well, I just think Grealish is such an exciting player and genuinely, I mean, we were chatting in the WhatsApp, weren't we, the other, the other night when we were struggling against Poland and saying, this game's crying out for Jack Grealish, you know. So everyone's calling us Grealish FC, but <laughs> actually... It felt like England were missing him, despite the fact he's only played a played a few played a few games. But again, you know, I think it's very hard to get excited about World Cup qualifiers at the, at the best of times. And I think at the end of the day, we got the job done from an England point of view. And yeah, I echo what what Carl said. I'm glad uh, Ollie, given the work rate he's had for us so far this season, didn't end up playing lots of lots of games. And I think uh, sort of building on what Sam said, I think part of the reason he got in, I mean, the Leeds fans were all frothing at the mouth that Watkins got in ahead of Bamford, weren't they? But he, he showed with that goal, that chance that he took, that he's got, he's just as good a finisher and goal scorer as Bamford is. 
And then his all-round game, uh, you know, he's got the option of playing on the left if you need that as well. And I think with international squads, that flexibility and that ability to play in different positions gives you a huge advantage. Because if you go into a tournament and pick up a couple of injuries, you want to have players that can can fill in in different places. And you know, I'm not. I think Bamford's a good player, and I think there was very little to choose between them uh, in terms of that selection. But I think that kind of flexibility and an all-round game. Uh, that, that Watkins has got is what put him slightly ahead and I think I think rightly so although I acknowledge we're quite biased on that front and uh, most people on a Leeds podcast would probably take the opposite view Yeah and no, I, I I get it from Leeds perspective you know uh, as fans they're looking purely at stats but I think Southgate he sort of alluded to it in his um, in his pre-match interviews about Ollie Watkins and he was talking about his all all round game and how he's led the line and you know we don't create as many chances as Leeds I don't think so you know that needs to be factored in as well I think Ollie's all round game is so important and and, as you say he can play on the left hand side and the right hand side as well which is flexibility you need in in an English squad and and probably you know that this call up is great for him but it's probably a bit too soon for him as as Carl's sort of mentioned uh, for him to be in contention for the Euro squad unless there's an injury to someone like Calvert-Lewin um, but I think I think most people have a clear idea of who the squad's going to be. Um, but it was nice for Ollie to get that experience, albeit against San Marino, who are obviously minnows in uh, in world football. But uh, a player that didn't get a look in, unfortunately, for him, who we thought we might get in, was Esri Konza, uh, Carl. And, uh, you know, he's obviously had a fantastic season. John Stone's amazing season. And, and he's really cut his mistakes out. But uh, we saw against Poland, obviously, that sort of, his old uh, his old ways sort of came back to haunt him a little bit. Were you surprised Esri Konza wasn't in the squad? And, and do, you ante- do you anticipate that maybe he'll be there or thereabouts in in future squads, maybe even in the Euros? I wasn't I wasn't surprised that he, he wasn't picked. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd pick him, um, but I, w- I wasn't surprised he didn't pick him. He, he's he's been. I've not seen um, many English defenders better than him this year. Um, I mean. <laughs> Eric Dyer was in the squad. Um, I think I think I saw he was the only outfield player to not get a minute, um, thankfully. Um, but I mean, Konza should 100% be getting into the squad ahead of um, Eric Dyer. Because, you know, sorry to any um, Spurs fans who happen to s- stumble upon this, but he's rubbish. Um, he's not... He's, it, I think, it's I not think even a lot of them would know. agree with you, to be honest, mate. Yeah, yeah, you're probably you're probably <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, his best position is is arguably a midfielder as well, and he's he's rubbish at that. Um, but I would, I mean, I, I don't, again, I'd be surprised if Konza's in the uh, Euro squad, but um, I'd love him to, and I, I think I think he's great. And I, I thought jumping on Stones is back um, after that one mistake um, was it's a bit much, isn't it? I know he's I know he's made mistakes before, but he's been brilliant this season. Yeah, he's been one of the best centre backs in the in the Premier League this season, and it's just one of those things, isn't it? it happens if if we're going to want to play out from the back and and be this uh, progressive team that all fans want us to be, then you know unfortunately things like that will happen. And 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 AJ has mentioned this before, I think, on previous pods around Conza. I think the fact that he is not known f- uh, for his ball playing ability as a defender probably does hinder him a little bit uh, when it comes to international call-ups. Yeah, so I, I, we'll see. Obviously, I, yeah. I think there's two. Sorry, mate. I think there's two things there. One is Southgate is obviously playing around with is it a four at the back or is it is it a three at the back? And I don't know. Um, a concert obviously has mostly played in a four-four-two for for us, um, and and I think. Statistically, if you look at the stats, Conser is as good a defender as anyone who's got in the squad, and better than most of them. Like if if you look at the stats um, that he puts down, but his distribution is not just a bit poorer; it's hugely poorer. So if you look at his progressive passing distance um, uh, per game, so the the amount of the amount of distance forward uh, he tends to play the play the ball on, on average uh, per ninety minutes. It's less than half any of the defenders that were picked in the squad for for England, and I just think at this point in his career, that's probably something he needs to look at if he wants to uh, uh, be an be an England uh, and regular, um, uh, or, or even get in a squad. To be honest, I was watching that Finding Jack Charlton documentary the other night. Did you? I don't know if you watched it, lads. Really good. No, documentary. no, I did too. And Jack Charlton was saying. 
Jack Charlton was saying, I want my defenders to defend. He was talking about why he wouldn't pick David O'Leary. Apparently, David O'Leary was some sort of libero stepping out with the ball, spraying it left, right and centre. I'm not sure I, I really buy that. But uh, yeah, he said he, he wanted his defenders to defend. And when, when I was watching that in the documentary, I couldn't help but think, oh, he'd love Conte, wouldn't he, if he was still here, Jack? Because Conte is just so good at the, at, the, at the, you know, not necessarily the dark arts. I just think he makes it look so effortless in the way that he covers space, in the way that he reads the game. And I think that, yeah. you know, if you're looking for somebody who's going to slot in there and keep us really tight, you'd pick him. As you've all said, if, if we want to play this expansive game, building from the back, maybe he's not the player. But I, I, I don't necessarily mean, think that means he will never get in the squad. But as a starter, I think he might struggle. Dave, David O'Leary rarely gets a mention on this podcast. So uh, uh, a good mention there. <laughs> yeah, sorry uh, about that. We, <laughs> we don't know. Bleep, 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 bleep it out. Bleep it out. <laughs> yeah. We but all we'll, know Jack Charlton uh, we'll, didn't yeah. pick him because he's a prick, not because not because he played the ball out too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a slightly disruptive influence on the squad <laughs> squad morale that Jack had carefully built there. I'd imagine. But um, yeah, Konza. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Konza's still young, isn't he? He's um, this is his, this is his breakout season, really, because you know he he had a good last couple of months of the season last year when he switched from right back to to centre back and. After that torrid first sort of six months or so, um, but this is his season. This is his coming out season. This is where he's really flourished. So it's early days for him. You know, he's a young guy. I'm sure he'll develop. And that part of his game, you know, I've seen him. I've seen him bring the ball out. He's comfortable on the ball in terms of running with the ball. Um, so I think the passing will come naturally. It's not like he's a bad passer. He just doesn't attempt it too much. I don't think. But I guess we'll see. Um, other notable international stories. Uh, well, what else was there? Oh, John McGinn scoring goals again. AJ, you've got some uh, some stats on us late uh, on, on McGinn later, haven't you? Uh, I have. We'll be looking yeah. at why yeah. why McGinn uh, isn't firing on all cylinders for us, and and weirdly, why is he firing on all cylinders for Scotland? Maybe it's the opposition, maybe it's the, the standard. Well, okay. I don't know, but he's we'll, play, we'll discuss we'll the Faroe that. Islands. So that that helps. Yeah, true. <laughs> but no, I think yeah. <laughs> I think there is something <laughs> a bit different in terms of how he's being used for Scotland as well, which I think is worth talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 uh, also, I don't. Think, I mean, the overhead kick was great, but I didn't think it was that amazing. Like the way everyone was going on about it, I watched it again, and it, I mean, it was a great. It was a good goal. It was a good goal, and it was you know, obviously great for McGinn. But I, and I love McGinn. I don't want to be too downbeat on him, but I didn't think it was that of an amazing overhead kick. I mean, I've seen so many better overhead kicks in my lifetime. Well, he, he, um, yeah, he he referred to himself as John McShin on a. Instagram, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, Banter-wise, right. he's, he's top-notch, isn't he? He, do, he? he always comes out with the good one-liners, fair play to him. Right, let's, let's hope we get... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, many, uh, how many XG on the shin, AJ? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at the internationals in that much detail, mate. But... Oh, was, there, was, there no, was there no Megs watch uh, during the international break? No, I haven't looked at Megs. I've got, I've got some great Megs watch on Fulham, though. Oh right! Oh, excellent! All right, look, but Lookman loves a uh, loves a Megs, doesn't he? So uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty there. He does. Don't talk, don't, don't steal my thunder, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't. Uh, but yeah, international break, pretty uneventful, really. England did the job. Uh, Scotland won a couple of games. Not really a, a period that I'm ever really that much interested in. I'll be honest, and you could probably hear it from the sound of my voice. Um, I don't like the international break. I never have. <laughs> I don't like qualifiers. They don't really get me that exciting unless it's like a, you know, do do or die match. But uh, we move on. We move on to the Fulham game. Obviously, uh, Villa have been in a bit of a sticky patch. Uh, this break's probably coming at a good time for, for Villa, for the players. Jack's back. AJ's got some stats on Jack as well, which we'll touch on. But before we start, AJ, let's, uh, let's go to you, Mr. Stato, and uh, just hear about Fulham style of play and and their current form. Yeah, so uh, I think it's fair to say they're a different side from the one we played at the beginning of the season, where we actually absolutely steamrolled them, uh, and they only took one point from their first seven games. And at that point, they looked absolutely nailed on uh, to go down, which they still might do. But Steve Bruce is obviously going to do his best to help them out in the in, in that regard. Um, but uh, whilst they have picked up in form a little bit across across the season, um, they've still lost three of their last four games. 
Uh, although it's worth saying the one that they won was against Liverpool uh, and the three they lost were Spurs, Leeds and Man City. So it's not exactly an easy run of fixtures and as a relegation-threatened team, you'd probably be quite happy with three points from that run of fixtures, actually. And in the run before that, the five games before that, they were unbeaten for five games, which included beating Everton uh, and drawing with West Ham. And if you think about Everton and West Ham as two teams that are sort of in a similar position to us in, in, in the league and West Ham actually, actually doing a fair bit better than us at the moment, um, it, it shows that you know they're, they're not going to roll over the way that they did uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, having said that, uh, they've only won five games all season. So they're not a team that that wins games. Most of those wins have come recently. Three of them win the last eight games. Uh, but only five wins out of their 30 games all season suggests, you know, they're not a team that wins games very often. But they also, considering their position in the league, uh, don't lose that much. Alongside Brighton, they lead the league in draws. So they've drawn 11 times out of their 30 uh, games. And one thing that you kind of don't really associate with Fulham like t- their teams in history like in recent Premier League history you'd sort of say oh they're a very nice football inside but they're a bit of a soft underbelly I don't think that's what they're like this season um, they've only conceded 38 goals this season um, in 30 games but 10 of those were in their first three games so they lost 3-0 to us 3-0 to Arsenal and they had a, a 4-3 uh, against Leeds which they they lost as well so if you take away those those sort of 10 goals that they conceded uh, before they brought in Anderson and, and a couple of other players and sort of tightened up both in midfield and defence, uh, they've only conceded 28 goals in uh, in 27 games, which for a team threatened with relegation is actually a really, really good um, defensive uh, record. Um, so where they're really struggling is to score goals. So they've only scored 23 goals in their 30 games. They've had an expected goals uh, um, figure of less than one or one or less than one in 17 out of their 30 uh, games. And they've only scored more than once in six games all season. And actually, even in those games they've scored more than once in, uh, they've only won 50% of those of those games. So you've got to feel like this is a team that we really should not be losing to. Given our form and where we've been, Perhaps might say it wouldn't be a surprise if we ended up drawing with them, but they're definitely a team we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't lose to. And you definitely think, I mean, you feel like this with us anyway. But if we nick a goal before they do, given their lack of goal scoring prowess and our defensive quality, even more so than in in normal games where we've got a great record of of winning games where we where we where we take the lead, if we take the lead in this game, we really should be winning it 100% and I'd be very disappointed if we end up losing this game uh, given their their track record of so few wins this season. Uh, so that's the form. A little bit on their their style of play. Um, actually, again, like this, this idea that Fulham have always been a bit of a footballing side, they're, they're actually fairly direct this season and uh, one of the things I always do when I'm digging into this is I'll, I'll find out stuff about Villa that I didn't realise as uh, uh, as well so if you look at um, in the stats you get three types of passes you get short passes which are 15 yards or less uh, you then get a sort of middle figure which is 15 to 30 yards and then you get long passes which is any past 30 yards uh, or more Villa and Fulham are both amongst the team's least likely to uh, have their share of their share of passes in that short pass, uh, uh, um, fifteen yards or less passing is is amongst the lowest in the league. So only thirty six percent of our passes uh, are in that um, uh, short passing range. Whereas, uh, and that's the same for both teams. Whereas at the top of that list, you've got your likes of Man City and Man United that are, are forty mid forty percent on on those sorts of things. Um, so only Brighton are, are less likely to play the ball short than than us but we're actually more likely to go long so we have a higher percentage of our passes are over 30 yards and I think if you watch us you understand that we're playing those balls into the channel and we're much more likely to be playing the ball aerially as well so whilst they will uh, they're not going to it's not going to be ticky tacker passing it around they will move the ball forward it's more likely to be direct uh, into the midfielders along the ground um, uh, as opposed to our approach which is a bit more uh, aerial and into the channels for Jack when he's playing and, and, and 
um, Watkins and those sorts of guys to, to run onto. So I think we're expecting them to try and move the ball forward quickly when they get it, but in a slightly different way to us where they're playing it into their, their midfielders um, uh, early um, and high up the, the pitch. Not sure exactly how they're going to set up. But most of the season, like us, they've been either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, but they have played 4-4-2 a couple of times um, recently uh, as well. Um, and another sort of uh, similarity to us uh, is that they don't press the ball that much. But whereas, uh, I mentioned this in the Spurs game as well, whereas our defensive approaches. um as well as not pressing, we tend to sort of stand off and not engage very much and force people wide and force them to cross the ball so Contra and Mings can uh, hoover it up or so Target and, and Cash can uh, block the ball uh, from, from coming in very effectively uh, as they do. Fulham are much more likely to engage you. So whilst we've sort of had similar amounts of possession, um, if you look at the sort of figure of the number of tackles and inter- interceptions that they make uh, as, as a total number combined, it's about um, uh, 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 30% uh, higher than, than ours. So they're definitely more likely to engage you when you, when you try and bring the ball, um, try and bring the ball forward. Yeah, it's a, it's a, thanks for that, AJ. That's a really good, really deep dive uh, breakdown of Fulham, style of play, form. Some really interesting points there and, and some surprises there as well in terms of the style of play. I, I you know, I very much yeah. thought of them as a very sort of nice playing out from the back, patient type of football, but obviously the stats say otherwise. And probably, to be honest, they've probably become a bit more pragmatic in their approach, I think, which has probably helped them. But I, I really don't know how I feel about Fulham. Uh, uh, part of me hates them because of... The player final, full force, Joe Bryan, Scott Parker. I'm not really that, well, I'm not bothered about. Not to say I wouldn't say I hate him, but I'm not that keyed on him. But then I, I do like some of their players. I, I like the way that they play. I like Lookman. I think that's a player that we should definitely look at. And Gisa, I really like. We'll come on to later as well. Um, and, and, and you know, they, they look at some decent, decent players and, and play some decent football as well. So I don't really know how, how I feel about them. Uh, first, le- first game, obviously, uh, at their place, we well, it was a very comfortable, comfortable victory. But we very much let them have the ball and let them put the crosses in, and we we just backed our defenders, Mings and Conda, to head the ball out and sort of kept Mitrovic at bay. I'd be interested to see how we how we adapt this time round, and obviously it's a different team we're playing and how we play and how we set up against them. Carl, what's your what's your thoughts on the game and on Fulham and Villa? Um, obviously, it's been a couple of weeks since we last played. Uh, time to sort of reflect a little bit. Post Spurs game, everyone was really down. Uh, a lot of negative comments. Well, not negative, but downbeat comments, um, which is to be expected. How are you feeling at the moment about Villa, and what's your expectation in this game? Well, I think the break has cheered me up a little bit. Um, I was I was a bit down after the uh, Spurs game. I think I think my main issue was Spurs didn't have to play very well at all to beat us, and we can't. We just rolled over and um the just I'm picturing the goals now and it's just annoying me to even think about them um I mean obviously there's a bit of a boost with uh Jack being back and um you know I'm I'm not saying he's definitely Jesus Christ but he's coming back on Easter Sunday that can't be a coincidence can it (laughs) um but I'm I mean with him in the um with him with him in the team I'm pretty confident um i'm pretty confident we'll beat them we need we, it goes without saying we need to get the first goal um i quite like fulham uh, whenever i've watched them after the first sort of half a dozen to eight games when they were poor um their defense was poor um i quite like watching them and i i, I love uh, luckman and uh, and Gisa. um I, I do i do quite like them i also hate them for the playoff final though um and whilst a trip to their grounds was always a nice day out, it's a crap ground. I, I, it's, I know it's like one of these old ones, but it's rubbish. And um, the new, any any stadium with a neutral standing can get in the sea. It's just how can you have a neutral ground at the football? Is that um, is that still, is that still a saying? I, get get in I'm, the sea. Is that still a saying? I've never, I haven't heard that in ages. He, I, I don't. I don't. They're probably getting the Thames, mate, because it's yeah, right next to them. It'd be easier to get, <laughs> my, it in the, get it in the river, wouldn't it? 
<laughs> my um my my meme knowledge is is a few years old. I'll be honest. Um, but but yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm hoping that that um hope uh doesn't get um dampened by what uh half six on Sunday. Um, but we're usually good on Sunday evenings. Can we call it an evening if it starts at half four? I say we call it an evening. Sunday evening, we'll smash them. First on match of the day too. Uh, and I, I was about to give them my prediction then, but I'll leave that till a bit later. We can probably guess so, mate. <laughs> Don't, yeah. Uh, Sam, um, well, I won't, I won't uh, thanks for that, Carl. I won't, I won't clip that. We, I clipped that with Chadzies last time when he said about Sunday evening and how we were going to beat Spurs and... Uh, we know how that turned out, so um, mm. I guess we'll see Sunday. Sam, what's your what's your thoughts on the game? Obviously, we, you know, we spoke post Spurs game, and you were very downbeat about it all, and which is understandable given where we've been this season and how we've played in these last sort of eight nine games. What what have you, and has your has your sort of mind changed at all? Has your thoughts changed? Has your mood changed at all since since a couple of weeks ago? Well, yeah, no, I, not really. I'll be honest. I, I, I think that I've. Um, I, I enjoyed the first half of this season as much as any season, even though I'm, we haven't been able to go and watch and uh, and it's all been uh, empty stadiums just because of the, you know, the, the brand of football that we started playing uh, and the fact that we were getting big performances out of, you know, a lot of players, uh, not just Jack, but obviously Jack was the talisman. And I think after the Newcastle game, which was really awful, and then the, the Spurs game, yeah, I felt, I, I did feel pretty negative and pretty downbeat about it all. And um, I, it, it will take Jack coming back with a virtuoso display to, uh, to you know, to raise my spirits again. But I, I think that's going to happen, to be honest. I think he's probably watched all his mates turning out for England and particularly the likes of Mason Mount, who, let's be fair, he's, Mason Mount's taken some stick from Villa fans, but he's a bloody good player and, he, and he's, he's excelled in the England shirt. And to be fair to Jack, that's something that Jack always maintains, and I, th- I think you know that's uh, is, a, is a good measure of uh, of the man actually. But I think he'll he'll look at this and he'll say, "Look, we've got ten games now, um, and and he's going to want to put on a show in each and every one of them, so he can try and play his way into that side." And 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 that's how I see it going on Sunday. I mean, you know, I know uh, Carl said we'll see at half four how my mood is, but I think half three is the key, isn't it? When the team's uh, team news comes out. And now you think, oh, he's not playing again. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm hoping that won't happen, and, uh, and and that he'll, you know, come in on the left, st- carry the ball, and get a decent tune out of some of the other players who have been hiding in the last few weeks. You know, just to man more of them, I think. And and if and if he does that, and I, I'm sure he will, that I, I anticipate that we will get the result. Mm. Yeah, it's, it is a slight worry for me in terms of mentality. The fact that even Dino mentioned it in the. In the post-match conference uh, or interview, sorry, about you know maybe the players are hiding a little bit because Jack's not there. You know that's not what we want. You know because Jack couldn't, in, in, you know, could conceivably leave at the end of the season. And uh, if the players are down after him not being there for a few games, how they're going to be if he leaves the club? So that that is a worry. But let's hope that's not the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jack normally takes a few games to get back to sort of full fitness and firing. So. You know, we need we need him to hit hit the ground running, really. But you know, it could be the case that it takes him two or three games to to get back to where he was before. So, you know, we have to be a little bit patient. Um, AJ, I suppose before we go into, we were going to talk about Fulham's key players and and McGinn as well. But let's let's just move on to Jack now because obviously he's been mentioned and he's such an important, such an important part of the storyline for this game is him coming back. He's back in training. It looks like he'll start. Um, unless another mysterious illness happens or mysterious injury happens. But, how, I mean, how important is Jack and also how good is he? Well, in terms of how important he is, uh, I guess we, the part of the thing is we still don't really know what his injury was. He's been out for several weeks, so you're right, it might take him a, a little while to get back. And we don't know if he was carrying something beforehand. But as I mentioned on the last pod, actually, in the five games... Uh, before he went out injured, we were pretty poor in those games anyway. Even with him in the with him in the team, but having said that, it's got to be a huge lift to get him back, both in terms of the mentality of the the team, uh, in terms of how the opposition are going to react to it, um, and uh, how, you know how they're going to plan to um, tackle us. Their attention is all, all going to be on Jack, which should give more space to the other uh, to the other players as well. And just a few stats on uh, on Jack, I guess, just to show just how good 
he is um, as a uh, as a player in this this league. So he's he's second overall in the league uh, on goal creating action. So a goal creating action is like an assist plus one step before. So if you play it to the guy who um, then plays an assist, you get a, a goal creating uh, action stat. And similarly, if you win the free kick and then the free kick's played in and we score from that free kick, you get one for that as well. So he's he's on uh, he's on twenty goal creating actions this season, which is level uh, with Harry Kane and only only two behind Bruno uh, Fernandez. He's third overall uh, for uh, assists with, again, only Harry Kane and, of course, Kevin De Bruyne are ahead of him. But if you look at his, because obviously he's, he's missed some games through the season. So if you look at his goal-creating actions per 90, he's the best in the league. So, uh, you know, he goal-creating action of point, point, 0.91 per, per 90 minutes uh, he's, uh, he's played uh, this season. So, you know, he is... Uh, more influential in terms of um, play that leads to a goal than anyone in the Premier League this season. And when you think about the amount of goals that City have scored compared to us, you know, the likes of De Bruyne obviously has more opportunity to to do that. Then the other thing he's absolutely phenomenal at is progressing the ball forward. And I think we know that about his dribbling so he's he's top in terms of progressive carries by absolutely miles so 275 progressive carries so that means he's he's dribbling the ball in a in a forward direction more often than anyone in the league he's got 275 netto is second on 257 and he's fourth on progressive carry distance so that's the, the amount that he travels forward with the ball but actually as an attacking player it's very hard to um, get a lot of pro- progressive carrying distance because you're starting high up the field to begin with. So the only players that are ahead of him are defenders. So people like Maguire and, and Ailing, who are known for bringing the ball out at the back and usually have space in front of them to get a bit of a head start on, on the distance. And in terms of carries into the penalty area, he has got 75 times he's, he's carried the ball into the, pre- into the penalty area for us. Second is Raheem Sterling with 51. So he's actually 50% better at that than, than wow. even really wow. Sterling, which is kind of insane. And, and I think we know that in terms of his dribbling ability, but actually uh, he's great on the ball as, as well. And if you look at his passing stats, they're not quite as good as his dribbling stats, but they're still pretty uh, pretty strong. So he's eighth for progressive passes. Um, and again, apart from defenders who obviously have the opportunity to play the ball forward a greater distance, um, it's only Fernandez and De Bruyne that are ahead of him and the rest are defenders. He's fourth in terms of the number of passes he plays into the into the um, penalty uh, area. And if you look at just um, actual goals and assists uh, per ninety, excluding penalties, he's fifth in the he's fifth in the in the league. And the other thing which we always talk about, but is worth highlighting again, is fouls. Now, opposition fans will say he's winning those fouls through diving. I think we believe he's not. He's, he's usually doing that through, uh, you know, getting there ahead and using his body in clever ways and, and all those sorts of things. I kind of don't really care if, uh, in fact, I quite like it. If it winds up opposition fans, it's, it's probably an extra bonus. Um, but he's been fouled 99 times this season. Second is Mane with 64. So again, that is 50% more than second place. So even if, you know, like the last five games, we're struggling a little bit as a team and, and we're not um, we're not as fluent as we had been earlier in the season. Just If he only had that ability to win free kicks and didn't have any of the other stuff, that would still be a massive benefit in games where we're, um, we're under pressure. So um, yeah, in terms of anyone in the league, he... He's just head and shoulders above, and uh, you know I've said this before. I think the only team that he doesn't walk into and make an immediate improvement to this season is probably Man City, just because they've got so many good quality uh, players in there, and, and a lot of those stats as well are just as good as you look at him versus the top five leagues, and not just versus the Premier League. Like you know, when you look at things like shot creating actions, the people that are ahead of him are people like Messi and basically no one else. Right, if you look across the top five leagues, so of course that coming back into what is a sort of mid-table team and a team that last season almost went went down, you've got to feel positive about that and that he's going to have a positive influence and that a team of Fulham's limited quality doesn't have a, a, a player anywhere near that, that um, ability. 
Are, are we gonna are we gonna celebrate once he gets fouled on uh, on Sunday? Because it's gonna be his hundredth foul. <laughs> the the I mean, first foul will be his hundredth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he might he might take put his shirt over his head and he'll have hundred on a vest, no doubt. He should come up on the screen, you know, like in the cricket, like when you get to ten thousand test runs or whatever. Hundred fouls for the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah you should uh, you should flash yeah. that up just I like that, yeah. I like that. That's a great idea. Great idea. But yeah, Jack uh, well, yeah. We all, I mean, we all know how amazing he is, but those stats really prove how amazing he is in comparison to the very best in world football, and which I think is the important point. You know, he he's always been a talented player. We've always been fond of him, obviously as Villa fans, and we've always sung his praises. And last season, you know, I do think he's operating at a different level compared to last season. Um, I still think Southgate won't pick him for his first 11. He'll be in the squad, but he won't pick him for his first 11. I think Sterling or Rashford will play ahead of him, which is a damn shame, really. But forget, forget that, regardless of that. You know, Grudish is one of the best players in, in European football at the moment. Um, and that, there's no real arguments about that. It's a shame the injury came when it did, but um, hopefully he comes back firing. And uh, well, we've heard it before, haven't we? 10 games left of the season. Jack's coming back from an injury. We know, we know what happens next. So uh, I guess we will see. What... Well, let's just push on for about the game on Sunday then, uh, Sam. What, what, what's your thinking about the game with Jack being back? Well, I, I still think it's going to be quite tight. Um, you know, I think he's feeling his way back in. I just, I just think that what, I'll, what I hope to see is that we try and be a bit more progressive. We're perhaps taking a few more risks with the ball. We're playing forward uh, a bit more often. Um and I think if Jack's playing, he, that will happen. He'll demand that. You know, we'll see target overlapping him. We'll see him trying to play into Watkins's feet and play off Watkins. Um, you know, I, I just anticipate that it will be a lot more easy on the eye if Jack's playing than it has been. Well, it couldn't be any worse, could it? <laughs> the last few games, no. but uh, I, I think it will be easier, easier on the eye. Um, you know, and. I, I, that's it. I've been really interested to hear AJ's stats actually about Fulham because I didn't have them down as as a team that struggled to score goals to that extent actually. Um, so thanks for that, AJ. And um, but I do think that this is going to be another one where the you know based on that where the odd goal might settle it because um, I, I just I think they're going to struggle to, to uh, score against us with the way our back four are. Um, yeah, all right. They've got Luckman, who's a bit tricky and, and and can create one or two things, but I don't think he's going to particularly phase either of our fullbacks, who are both excellent. Um, so I, I anticipate that it's going to be tight. I can see the odd goal winning it. Um, but the, the the most important thing I think is that we just start to look, you know, like more than just a sort of pale imitation than the Villa side that was turning out in those first sort of ten games. You know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I get what you mean. It's um, it's been a far cry from that, really. And obviously, Jack's so integral to that. He's a world class player, and he's our he's our only world class player. He's our best player by miles, uh, and he makes everyone play better. Um, and and he's such an important part of the team. It's all you know. You're always going to miss that kind of player. You know, uh, any team, you know, Man City even will miss some of their best players, but they've got so many other good players that that can make up the difference. We don't have that, unfortunately. We're away away from that, and you know, we're let's not forget we're. Our second year in the Premier League, eighteen months into a, a massive, massive rebuild, so it will take time. Uh, but you know, anyway, a Fulham game hopefully is the start of that continued progress, and we get back on track. Carl, if you were Dean Smith looking at the game on Sunday and, and Fulham, and we'll come on to Fulham in a second. AJ is going to give us some some interesting tidbits around who their key players are, um, and we'll look a bit more in depth into Fulham again. But if you were Dean Smith, Carl, on Sunday, how would you? How would you line Villa up? What would your formation be? Who would play for you? That midfield problem we've had, obviously, for the last eight weeks or so. Um, what, what kind of what kind of midfield would you play? How would you set up? Um, I, haven't, I haven't really thought about uh, how we take. All I've been thinking about is uh, how how where I could put Jack in and make him uh, as dangerous as possible. But I, I think I think I'd. I think I'd return to, I mean, the defence and goalkeeper picks itself, doesn't it? Um, I'd, uh, uh, Louise, I would have anchoring. Um, I would have McGinn and Sanson, as uh, we have to pronounce him these days. Um, and I'd play Troy on the right, Greedish on the left, and uh, Keenan Davis up front, obviously. No, joking. <laughs> Ollie Watkins uh, up front. Um, I think, I think what, what needs to? I mean, that 
that's hoping that uh, I, d- I don't want to think what would happen if uh, Jack doesn't start. Um, I suppose you'd put Al Ghazi uh, on the left. Um, I don't. I can't see them scoring as as kind of already been mentioned. They they always look like they struggle to um, score, and I think defensively will. Um, will be too good for them. Um, Luckman worries me a little bit. I mean, Cash do- likes diving in and I think Luckman would love uh, to play against a fullback that's diving in all the time. Um, so hopefully he keeps um, keeps his head and, uh, and doesn't do anything rash. Um, I, 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 I can only, and this is going to probably come back to haunt me, but I can only see us winning uh, on Sunday. Um, that, Again, he's, he's, um, he's hoping that Jack's playing. Um, but when, when Jesus did come back on the Sunday, he, he scored twice and assisted, right? That's what happened when he came back. So I imagine Jack will do pretty much the same. The Jesus comparisons continue, Carl. Thanks for that. Um, AJ, let's give us... Uh... <laughs> let's give us your thoughts on the, some of Fulham's key players and then, and then let's uh, wrap up and get your prediction as well. Yeah, so I mean, Carl's mentioned Lookman already. He's the he's the obvious one. He is their creative force. Their top goal scorer actually is Bobby D. Cordova Reed. Would you believe with five with five goals? Uh, but I think he might be out injured at the weekend uh, anyway. And I don't think his all round abilities necessarily warrant us taking a particular look at look at him. Uh, but of course, we should have a look man at. Uh, uh, Adam, uh, look, man. So uh, terrible, oh, terrible, sorry, terrible. Edit that out. Seriously. Edit that. <laughs> Edit that out. He's he. So, no, so far this season, he's got four goals and four. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So far this season, he's got four goals and, and four assists. Which in a team that's only scored twenty three goals is a pretty um, sizable contribution. Uh, and when you think as well, like Jack, for us last season when we were in a similar position in the league, got eight goals and six assists. Uh, he's not far off that sort of sort of return in a in an o- a team that's overall performance is is very similar. Um, as Carl mentioned, he's, he's brilliant on the ball, not as good as Jack, of course, but he is in the top ten percent this season for completed dribbles and and also does well on things like progressive distance. But one of the things that really speaks to Fulham's bigger challenges is. If you look at shot-creating actions, so like goal-creating actions, that's the kind of two actions that happen before a shot. He's in the top 10% of shot-creating actions, but he's only sort of average around 50%, uh, around 50% mark um, on goal-creating actions. So he's creating loads of shots for people, but either in poor areas where they can't score or for people like centre-forwards for, for Fulham that have struggled all, all season. They've brought Josh Madger in now that I think they're hoping he's going to make a big difference, but he hasn't done a lot so far. But the other thing to look out for with uh, Lookman is he is really excellent at set pieces and he creates an awful lot of chances uh, from, from dead ball situations. Again, he's in the sort of top 10% of the league uh, from, from dead ball situations leading to uh, to chances. So, um we definitely have to be on the money uh, in terms of defending set pieces because that is going to be one of their key threats, uh, I think, from from his delivery. Uh, and I think Carl's right to, to highlight Cash's role in, in trying to keep uh, Lookman quiet. Um, and of course, Cons are on that side as well. Um, and to an extent, the, the midfielders drifting across to, to support in that uh, in that area uh, as well, especially as Cash likes, likes to get forward. So Lookman, a very clear threat. Then the other one that stands out, which I think you mentioned, Omar, is Anguissa. So he's an interesting player, actually, when you look at his his stats. He's really strong defensively. And I sort of touched on this sense that Fulham engage you a lot in tackles. And that Anguissa is a key player in that. He makes a lot of tackles, especially in that middle third of the pitch. And he's a very difficult player to, to dribble past. Not you know his his stats in terms of people going past him. He's he's in the sort of top fifteen percent of, of the league of, of, of preventing people from from going past him amongst midfielders. But he's actually a pretty poor passer of the ball. Um, so he, he doesn't. He's below average in terms of passes attempted and completed. And he's in the bottom third in terms of his ability to to move the ball forward through through passing as as well. So he's a poor passer of the ball. But he's a really strong dribbler. And actually, if you saw on the official site Dino's interview today, 
he talked a little bit about Fulham as, as a team with strong ball carrying ability, and, and that's definitely true when you look at Lookman and Angisa as, as as key players. And he's also uh, one of the key players in terms of receiving the ball uh, for for Fulham. So you know, we talked about this idea that they're not going to play it out really short from the back, but they're going to go direct into the midfield. If we can stop Angisa moving receiving the ball. He's going to pick it up and then he's going to try and drive at us uh, and uh, and run at us with the ball. And for those kind of midfielders, uh, the kind of proper central midfielders, eights or sixes, as we like to call them these these days, he's, he's really, really strong on the dribble and in terms of getting the ball into the box from that midfield uh, position as well. So I think stopping him receiving the ball in the first place um, is going to be a really important for us. And and just on that, I, I thought, you know, McGinn is the most similar player for us, so I wanted to contrast with him, particularly as in the last game, uh, Carl was repeatedly highlighting how often John McGinn was getting dribbled past uh, and keeping count of the number of times <laughs> that McGinn was getting dribbled past. And I guess he's playing in a sort of similar role for us that Anguissa plays for, for Fulham. So I thought I'd have a look at McGinn's stats on a comparative basis. And uh, we've had a bit of debate this year about McGinn and whether he's doing a good job. And he's certainly been up and down in terms, in terms of his fall. But statistically, he looks he looks pretty poor at this level when you contrast him with other central midfield players. So he's in the bottom third, um, or even worse on some measures, for tackles, pressures and interceptions. Now, as we've talked about, some of that is how we ask our holding midfielders to play and we do ask them to stand off. So there's a little bit um, of that in terms of, uh, uh, of style of play, but even allowing for that, you know, some very low um, uh, comparative measures on on that. He, he's not winning tackles a lot. He's not pressing the ball a lot. He's not intercepting. Uh, and he's not awful in terms of being dribbled past, Carl, you'll be pleased to know, but he's pretty much bang average uh, on that. So he does get, uh, he, he's not um, like Anguisa where he's very difficult to get past. And then also with the ball, his, his passing stats are poor. It's hard to say anything other than that. He's typically in the bottom 20% of midfielders on most of the passing stats. And if you look at completed passes, he's actually in the in the bottom 13% of, uh, of uh, midfielders um, in the league. Uh, and he's also not great when you look at his ability to carry the ball. What he is good at, which makes me wonder if, are we using him in quite, quite the right way, is that actually compared to other central midfielders, eights and sixes, he's in the top 10% for goal-creating actions and in the top 20% for, for shot-creating actions. So I guess the question is, like, are we using him in the right way or should he be higher up the pitch where he can do those things that he's he's good at? Um, and, you know, has he been left a little bit out of his comfort zone um, or is he just not good enough at, at this level? Or, you know, has he just had a bad season? I, I don't know. He's got 10 in 23 for Scotland, 10 goals in 23 for Scotland. Um I think that, uh, you know, there was an interview today, actually, in the Birmingham, even in the mail, wasn't there, saying that, you know, he'll play wherever he's asked to play because he's that that kind of guy. But it was highlighting how, you know, before he got injured, uh, he was doing better than Jack in terms of goals and assists. Um, You know, he looked every inch the £50 million player and, you know, he was linked with Manu and that kind of thing. And then they went and got uh, Fernandes, didn't they? It seems silly now to think that you, McGinn and Fernandez could have been something that, you know, two players that were being looked at and mulled over, given how the impact Fernandez has had. But that's how good I think other, other clubs thought he was at the time. Um, I do wonder whether we're using him correctly. And, and on that point about passing, yeah, I, I'm not surprised his pass completion is, is so low because we often do on the WhatsApp bemoan his misplaced passes. But I will say he does always look forward and he does take risks with his passing. That some of the players don't. That's what. That, that's what I do. Yeah. I will, despite criticising him early yeah. in the season. I, I, you know, I guess for me, what's interesting in the comparison is in the role McGinn is playing currently. Would I rather have Angisa in there than McGinn? Yes, I think I would because he does the things that you want or need more in that role. Now, you know, Angisa, as I've said, is not the best passer in the ball. So I'm not saying, should we go and sign Angisa in the summer? I'd hope we get a player who's better on the, uh, better in terms of distributing the ball in that in that role if we're going to strengthen in that area. Um, and maybe even that Samsung when he when he, he gets up to full fitness. But Song Song. Sorry, mate. Currently, <laughs> uh, when you... Um, 
when you look at the two players and you say, who would you rather have in that sort of eight slash six role, depending on the shape we're playing, I would definitely pick Anguissa ahead of McGinn at the moment. Yeah, I, I really like Anguissa. I highlighted him in... Um... In our, my second, I think it must have been our second ever episode when we played them uh, at their ground. And uh, we're talking about his stats then and uh, his season in La Liga. And, and it was very much a similar similar story, really. It was all about his tackles, interceptions and his dribbling ability. He was sort of the, the best doing doing the best of both worlds, really, when it comes to sort of that box-to-box midfielder. But his passing, again, wasn't up to scratch and it hasn't been this season. But it's good that Dino's... Um, highlighted their dribbling ability because they do have that in abundance, don't they? They have Lookman, they have Anguissa, they have um, Cavalero, uh, players like players of that ilk. Um, of course, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well now as well, who are all very comfortable, all very good at taking players on. Um, and, and, and that's been shown this season. It's just that final ball, that final pass, that final shot, which is where they've been struggling. And uh, let's hope that continues on, on, uh, on Sunday. I think as well on yeah on that ball carrying thing I think one and again a reason why I'm glad Dino's highlighted it is with that way that we play standing off if teams try to play through you by passing through it's very hard to do that with the way you know you've got uh, Louise and, and McGinn or, or whoever in front of the back four and then the, the back four sitting quite deep it's very hard to play through the middle of you if you've got players who can carry the ball uh, and beat either McGinn or Louise in the middle you know, the defence is exposed then. So I think it's good that, that Dino's recognised that they're a ball-carrying team and, and hopefully we'll, we'll do something in the way we play to, to counter it. Uh, do you want a quick Meg's watch? Yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah. Fulham are top of the league on Meg's. They've uh, gone joint what? top with Leeds. They've got 30 Meg's and we've only got 14. So oh, that is literally one Meg's... <laughs> One megs per game from them. So, if nothing oh. else, we should hope to see a Martinez legs, no doubt. And uh, Lookman is uh, second only to Rashford in the league on megs. He's got eight megs. Uh, although, if you remember, Rashford's way ahead on 15 or something. He's he's the, he, Rashford is the Jack Grealish of megs, you could say. Um, so, yeah, uh, look out for Fulham pulling a good uh, at least one megs uh, during the game. That's really uh, really dampened my mood. Thanks for that, AJ. Really really uh, really pissed off about that. I think I think Carl's pissed off about that as well. I think his uh, his uh, scoreline prediction is going to change. I think. Uh, so Carl, what, what's the score going to be, mate? Um, one nil. No, twenty-seven nil. <laughs> hey! There it is. How, how long before the listeners get tired of that? I think I'm going to give it ten episodes. I think uh, ten episodes until the end of the season. I think we just keep uh, going. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I don't, I don't care like, if they get tired. Like Stuart Lee, just relentlessly labour it for the next yeah. five years. I, I did. I did have someone message me saying, "I love that guy. He keeps saying twenty-seven nil. He really cracks me up." So we've had some positive feedback, Carl. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's good. It's good. It's good to be the guy who just says twenty-seven nil, and that's all people recognise him for. That's that's what I've always wanted. Well, I better than going on 10-minute uh, tirades about stats, eh, AJ? Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I'm only messing, I'm only messing. Uh, the show wouldn't know, be mate. anywhere near as good as it would be without your stats, mate. So uh, let's move on then. We've had, uh, well, we've sort of had score predictions already from all of you. Um, but let's look, we've had predictions, sorry, not score predictions. So Carl's gone for his usual 27-0. Sam, quickly, score. what's the score going to be on Sunday? One nil, one nil. We're due a clean sheet. One nil. AJ, AJ. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely going to be tight. Uh, two good defenses. So hoping for a one nil. Boring. It might be a <laughs> might be a one one, and then I'll be. What'd really you say about? I'm going to go for a two one victory. Jack Greenish with the winner. It's written. It's written. Oh, that'd be nice. We'd love love that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we would, we would. All right, let's move on then. Let's finish this. Let's finish the episode off with uh, some favourite memories of uh, Villa Fulham games of the past. A uh, a regular fixture for the VBB football crew. Obviously, most of us were based in London. Probably the last time Villa were doing well in the Premier League, which was during the MON era, Martin O'Neill era. Uh, I've got some memories as well. But let, let's go to the you boys first. Any shout out if you've got any uh, any good memories of Villa Fulham games of the past. Yeah, I've, I've got one. Uh, three all, 2006. Uh, a, a rarity, a Ridgewell brace. Um, we came from behind three times 
uh, it was an evening game, I think. Yeah, it was an evening game. And uh, yeah, I remember Brian McBride scored for them because I saw him that about two Saturdays later at Euston Station. And I said, all right, Brian. He said, hey. No, I said, you're Brian McBride, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. <laughs> I said, oh, I saw you the other day in, in three all. He said, hey, you guys sure got your money's worth that day, huh? I was like, yeah, thanks, Brian. <laughs> and that, and that, that was it. But, uh, yeah, no, that was a really memorable. It was a really good game, actually. Ridgewell Brace, uh, a, a real collector's iron. Barros played, actually, that day. And I remember he played pretty well. He was a bit of an enigma for us. But, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good memory. I um, Well, I thought it was worth mentioning the um, – it's not a favourite memory at all, but the playoff final um, <clears throat> where uh, Frederick should have – got a uh, red for his assault on Jack Grealish. Um and then was it was it a, is it called a doy uh, yeah, who Adoy. got yeah. Adoy, he yeah. got sent off for two yellows which was for what I remember is 57th foul on Grealish in the game. <laughs> and then Grealish was so close to scoring um a world he wasn't he? But do you know what if you think about it if we'd have got promoted that year it would have been all wrong. Yeah it, so we we'd have been straight down. Thanks Fulham. Yeah blessing of dis- blessing Yeah blessing cheers Fulham. We, we might have never had our current owners. We might, you know, yeah. who knows where we're going. Oh, been, oh I might just imagine. We should do that. We should do a, uh, let's do an episode in the future, Sliding Doors sliding episode. Doors. Where we, sliding Doors. Yeah, yeah. We'll do uh, what if, basically a what if episode. If it hadn't happened or it had happened, where would it be now? I think that's a good idea. We'll do that. We'll do we'll do that in our next time. But um, I've got one memory of uh, of Fulham game. It was away, actually, not, not at home. It was at Craven Cottage, 2010, when Gabby scored a brace. Uh, previous night, I, at that time I was working in London, so I was working in Marlebone actually, just not well, not that far from Fulham really on the tube. But I uh, had a night out the night before, and we stayed over, and I stayed over in a hotel in Marlebone, and uh, we were due to go to the match next day. Me and my, me and my mate Nick, who's who's been on the pod before, going to go for breakfast and then head off to Fulham. It's always a nice game; it always tends to be really sunny and, and, a, and a lovely away ground to go to. Although it is a shit ground, as Carl said. But anyway, I stayed over at this hotel, which was on on Mar- just near Marlebone, and. Uh, I basically just pitched up for the night and said, look, how much for a room? Uh, can I, I just, want to, just need it for the night. And uh, it looked like a really nice place from the front of it. It went inside. It didn't look that great. And he said, uh, oh, it's uh, it's uh, £30 for a room or £35 if you want a window. And I said, what? He said, £30 for a room or £35 if you want a window. I said, what? <laughs> None of your rooms have windows. He goes, half our rooms don't have windows. I said, can you just show me a room without a window? And literally, it was a cup. It was like a walk-in wardrobe. It was honestly, it was just the bed in there, and that was it. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, yeah. And I was like, that's London for you. That probably be about 200, 250 pound nowadays in, in London. Ten years later, Absolutely. probably two hundred fifty grand if you bought it. Doesn't uh, yeah. a hotel? A bit off topic, but there's a hotel in Birmingham where it. They um they also don't have I don't know if it's still there but they don't have um windows in any of the hotel rooms but instead on the telly you can play the CCTV from outside. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where's that? Awful. <laughs> Where's that? I bet I people love that. Can't remember what it's they? called. It's awful, awful place. Why yeah. are you staying in a hotel in Birmingham, mate, with no windows? I can't remember it. Work night out. Sounds suspect. Just let's 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 yeah no let's let's leave it as work night out. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed. I stayed at the Radisson where I lived in Leamington once, but that was because we had a uh, five-a-side tournament in Birmingham the next day, and everyone was staying over. So I decided to stay over as well. But I had, valid, I had a valid, valid excuse. They normally have windows in a Radisson, though, don't they? Yeah, they have big, big windows. Yeah. Very I nice. hope this all stays what in not? the pod. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> of course it will. Of course it will. Of course it will. Yeah. Uh, uh, listeners, if you've got... Listeners, if you've got any thoughts or any uh, fan theories of well, why Carl stayed in Birmingham when he lives in Birmingham, then I'd be interested to hear that. You can DM me. I'll be, uh, I'll be interested to hear that. I've actually got some great stories about the Radisson, but that's for another time. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's close off for the night. Uh, different pod, different times, different, different category. Of pod, but anyway, uh, let's close off for the night. We've talked about the Fulham game to death. AJ's given us some brilliant stats. Sam and Carl have given us some brilliant thoughts. Um, apparently, Jack's the second coming. Apparently, according to Carl. So, I guess we'll see you on Sunday. Uh, we'll be back obviously on Sunday. I'll be back with Chazzy and Jugsy with the lockdown lowdown. Uh, actually, probably Monday. 
not Sunday. Uh, but they'll be back giving their thoughts on that game. I say every week and I say before every game, let's hope we're talking about a win. We really need it. Uh, it's not like we're going to go down, so it doesn't really matter too much. But you know, we just want to get back to winning ways and back to playing good football, don't we? And I think that's the most important thing. Just back to enjoying football, back to enjoying Villa. It's such a massive part of our of our lives now, especially with with COVID and yes, lockdowns easing. But you know, these games do affect your mood and, and make a massive impact on your weekend. But like I said, we'll be back on back on Monday probably for that game. Thanks to the boys again for for their time this week. A really interesting episode. Good, funny episode. As always, some interesting insight. I hope you enjoy that. Please do subscribe and follow us on any podcast platform you're on. We're on all of the major ones and some of the not-so-major ones as well. And follow us on Twitter, at Villa Podcast, all one word. And uh, apart from that, thanks to guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. Manu bahut changa lagda.